We're working our way through the story of the, uh, or, or through the prayer that Jesus gave us, the Lord's Prayer. And, uh, you know, I talked about how, how it's used in many ways. It's, it's used as a liturgy, as, we, as part of the liturgy, as we, as we did today. But it's also kind of introduces a lot of the most important themes of what life is all about. And so today we're on the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. And that's what we're going to focus on. If you're familiar with it, you know that Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And this is our text for this morning. Now, in about 300 BC, there was a guy named Archimedes, who was a Greek mathematician and physicist. And he kind of discovered or quantified, I I would say quantified, the the principle of the lever. I, I don't want to say discovered because I think people have been moving rocks for many, many years and they knew about this, but, but he said famously, give me a place to stand and with a lever I will move the world. Just speaking of the infinite potential to multiply your strength and multiply your weight and move, move something heavy with something very small if you have the right leverage on it. And uh, like, like I say, the guys who move rocks already knew that, but, but you know, some, for some reason the mathematicians always get all the credit for these kinds of things. I don't know why that is. And so today we're going to look at this petition, hallowed be thy name, or give glory to your name, O Lord. And because I believe that if you understand this petition, it gives us in our prayers a place to stand, a lever, and a direction to move. And so that's, that's how I want to look at this. First of all, it gives us a place to stand on the glory of God's name, on the glory of who God is, on the glory of what God has done, on the glory of, of God's grandeur in all of creation. You know, the power of the Christian life, it's been said, is the discovery, essentially, that it's not about you. If you can come to grasp the principle that this world and this life and existence and even our Christian life is not about you, you're a lot of the way there and you're set apart, I think, from a lot of the grander, the, 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 the undifferentiated mass of humanity. Because life is all about surrendering and subordinating yourself to something that's bigger than yourself, or as Jesus put, to paraphrase Jesus, to lose yourself in order to truly find yourself. And this, I, I think, is contrary to the American ideal, which is the elevation of the individual, the primacy of us as individuals and the importance, first and foremost, of us as living for ourselves and according to our own rules and according to our own way. In contrast to that, the Bible says it starts when we recognize it's actually not all about us. And so the first petition of the Lord's Prayer is, Hallowed be thy name. Forget about my name. Hallowed be thy name. And uh, the irony I find in, in American culture is when we try to make it all about the individual, it's not, it's, it's not that we then are completely set free from everything, it's that we get completely enthralled and enslaved by almost anything. And one of the ways you see that is in celebrity culture such as it is, how particular individuals who have 
a particular look or a particular talent become these individuals with thousands or millions of followers just because they're celebrities. And, and you know, we've got this new dynamic in the American world where people can become famous just for being famous. You know, fame is like this snowball that just grows and we're like, well, why does everyone follow this person? And we're like, well, we don't know, but we just do. <laughs> it's like, don't ask that question. But, uh, but you know, I think it, you see it in the celebrity obsession. I think you see it in, in, in the way we've turned politics from you know, what should be a pretty boring and mundane task into this sort of celebrity culture and in, into its own form of entertainment where people put all their hope in, in particular political leaders hoping that that person's going to uh, change everything. I think you know, it's, it's interesting, a lot of people pointed out that with the rise of secularism and individualism, we've also seen this response and a rise of tribalism whether that be ethnic groups or social groups within a country or the rise, you know, especially in Europe in the last uh, decade of nationalist, uh, nationalist ideals among the various European countries and the, the, the movement of nationalism that's really taking place around the world. Uh, so, so, so this is the irony, even as, as modern culture elevates the individual we all gravitate towards something bigger than the individual that we want to hold on to, that we want to be connected with, because standing, none of us stand on our own. We need something to identify with. So when we say, hallowed be thy name, we're affirming that. We're saying, it's not about me. It's about something bigger and greater than me. And, uh, and that's the place that I stand, because, you know, in life, there's so many ups and downs that we all go through, that we all face on a daily basis. The ups and downs of life, ups and downs in, in the global situation, ups and downs in our personal circumstances, ups and downs in our relationships with our families and our friends. You know, sometimes those things are going well. Sometimes it feels like they're all falling apart. Sometimes we face ups and downs in our careers, ups and downs in our health. And in the midst of those storms of life, when we affirm our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, we're, we're finding a place outside of ourself and outside of our circumstances that we can stand on. And that is the grace of God, the glory of God, the, the, the holiness of God. You know, our feelings go up and down. You know, sometimes we feel good, sometimes we feel depressed, sometimes we're in love, sometimes we're falling out of love. Uh, sometimes we're motivated, sometimes we're sluggish. You know, our, our, our circumstances change, our job situation changes, our financial position changes. You go from having money in the bank to the debt collectors uh, screaming in your ear. And it's all of, all of these ups and downs of life are opportunities for us that, that are the universal circumstance of all of us. They're opportunities for us to find something solid to stand on, to stand on the holiness of God, to stand on his, on his name. Hallowed be thy name. Holy is your name. Something that's bigger, something that's more permanent, something that's more solid than myself and solid than my circumstances and solid than my feelings. And that gives us a place to stand. That gives you a place to stand. I mean, what are you standing on right now? What is it that gives your life a foundation right now? The invitation of this is to make that foundation God's name, 
God's glory and God's truth. But it's also the lever that God gives us. God gives us a place to stand and he gives us a lever to move the world because what, what this does, what this affirms is that regardless of how mundane our circumstance might feel, regardless of how trivial our circumstance might feel, regardless of how boring our, our issues might be, we can bring the glory of God to bear on those issues. You know, that's why in Colossians chapter 3 he's saying, when you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. You think, well, what you eat, what you drink, and, and how you work, it doesn't really matter, but everything can be done for the glory of God, which means that all of your situations and all of your issues and all of your problems are opportunities for God's name to be glorified, for God's name to be hallowed. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you, you know, we might even be embarrassed about the stuff that's really bothering us and about the issues that are, are making us unhappy in the moment and the things that we're worried about. You know, any of you worried about things that you really shouldn't be worried about sometimes, occasionally? But what, what, what this petition says is we can connect all of our worries and all of our prayers to concern for God's glory because God can receive glory in his own way through all of those things. Because God's delight is to reveal his, his glory and grace. He does that in answer to our prayers. And as he shows us who he is, as he shows us what he's all about, and it reminds us that he is interested, he's interested in us. Psalm 23 is one of those passages that's a good one to go back to, especially in a time of, of trouble. Um, might be familiar words to some, some of you, but it says, remember, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. You know, God guides us along the right path for the glory of his name. Because God, as our shepherd, values each one of his sheep. God, as our shepherd, cares about the well-being of each and one of our sheep. So he, he guides us on the right path for his namesake. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we need not fear anything because he is with us. See, God's glory is this cosmic thing. You know, the heavens tell the glory of God, and God's glory is this personal thing when he's guiding you on the right path, helping you know which way to go, protecting you and providing for you in all your, your mundane little challenges for God's name's sake. God works in our lives and he, he cares for us and he protects us all for his name's sake. He delights to bless those of us who are connected to him for his name's sake. And all of your mundane issues that you have, all of the worries that you have, he delights to to intrude into those and work in those circumstances for his name's sake. So when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we're not just talking about the cosmos. We're talking about, you know, your concern about a difficult conversation you're going to have to have with your brother or your sister or a co-worker later this week. We're talking about your concern about your career, your concern about a medical test that the doctor needs to follow up on because you're not sure why, why that happened or what had happened. All of these things can be subordinated to the glory of, of God. God works in our lives and cares and protects us for his namesake. And he delights 
Bible says he delights to bless those who are connected to him, those who pray, pray to him for his name's sake, so that because he, he loves blessing people who will return to him the credit and the praise for the blessings that they receive. He loves giving gifts to people who actually know that they're supposed to say thank you for the gifts that he gives them. There's another prayer that's, that's remarkable, Psalm 115. It's one of the prayers of the Old Testament people where, where the people pray, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. So they're saying, God, we don't want to stand on our own. We want to stand on your name, on your love and your faithfulness. And then he goes on to say, why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him, but their gods are idols of silver and gold. So in other words, this petition, they're praying and they're saying, God, we're your people. We pray to the true God. We don't pray to a phony made-up God. We're the people that actually put our faith in you. And so we need you to rescue us. We need you to redeem us. We need you to work in our lives so that everybody knows that we worship the true God. See, God, one of the ways God glorifies his name is by answering the prayers and blessing the lives of the people who pray to him. And so whatever you're praying about, you can pray, God, glorify your name by helping me work through this difficult family situation with my crazy brother. Glorify your name by helping me work through this difficult work situation with with my difficult boss. Glorify your name by giving me the right things to say to this neighbor who I'm not getting along with right now. All of those things are opportunities for God to glorify glorify his name. And so when when we pray for God to move in our lives, we we can this this petition reminds us of the reason we pray and reminds us of what the real fruit of our prayers will be. It'll be the glorification of God's name. And so that's a lever that we can use. It's not just the place to stand, but it's also the lever that we can use in the midst of our difficult things. Say, God, how can I glorify you through this? How can you be honored through this? How can your name be shown as holy through this difficult, uncomfortable, awkward situation that I'm working my way through? And... uh, You know, one of the greatest ways that God shows the glory of his name is through the way he exercises his grace in our midst. And there's a remarkable verse in Psalm 25. Do you want to put that one up? Uh, You know, this this is interesting because he says, For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my sin, for it is great. You know, he doesn't say, God, just uh, forgive my sin because I'm not really as bad as my brother. And, and, or he doesn't say, you know, God, forgive my sin because the only reason I, I'm such a sinner is because of the difficult situation I'm in. He says, God, my sin is great. My sin is unmanageable. My sin is, is a real issue. But for the sake of your name, show the glory of your grace by forgiving it anyways. Show the glory of your grace by forgiving my sin because it is grace. Because God, the, the revelation of God's glory and the revelation of God's grace is shown in his ability to forgive sinners, in his ability to restore lives, in his ability to redeem the broken and the messed up. And it's through our brokenness and through our experience of God's redemption that, that his His great name is revealed. There's an interesting passage for those of you who are, are Bible nerds. 
this afternoon, look up Ezekiel 36. And I wanted to use this, but it was, it was too complicated to bring into the message. But in, in Ezekiel 36, God is saying to uh, the people of Israel, he's saying, I'm going to restore you, and it's going to be amazing. And, and you know, he's speaking to the exiles of Israel, and they've been defeated, they've been destroyed. And God comes to, to Ezekiel and says, one day you're going to be restored, and, and you know, Jerusalem's going to be greater, and, and the people are going to be greater and more powerful. And, and then he says at the end, it's not going to happen because you've been good. It's not going to happen because you reformed yourself morally. It's not going to ha happen because you finally got your act together. It's only going to happen because of my commitment to my name. And that's the assurance and the hope and the, the reality of our lives, what it means to live by grace, is God doesn't work through us because we're good or because we're obedient, but only because of his great grace. God does not ask us to redeem ourselves so that his name can be glorified. He invites us to rest in his redemption, and through that, his, his name is glorified. So, hallowed be thy name. It gives us a place to stand on the glory of God as our ultimate our ultimate. Uh, Fascination, it give, hallowed be thy name, gives us a lever that connects all of our embarrassing issues and all of our pathetic failures to God's grace and gives God an opportunity to work through our patheticness and through our failures and through our problems to reveal his glory. And hallowed be thy name gives us a, a direction to go. You know, if we're going to move the world, the question is, in what direction do we want to move the world? You know, if you're going to move something heavy, if you're going to move a big rock, first of all, you want to make sure that the place you're moving it to is where you want it to be, because otherwise you'll still have a big rock in your way. And what the Bible tells, calls us to do and challenges us to do is to move the world that the world might see the glory of God, the world might see the love of God, the world might see the truth of God, and, and through that magnify his name. And in fact, Bible says that that is the purpose for which we exist. Some of you might be familiar with something called the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and there's a question, kind of a famous question that it starts with. If you want to pop that up. What is the chief end of man? Have you ever heard this question? What is the chief end of man? Chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And this is where, these were the old, uh, sort of the original Presbyterian theologians, you know, it's still the, the creed to which I, I subscribe, but, but this is the principle they operated off. The purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so our life is connected to something bigger than ourselves, and that is the grounding of our life. One person who lived this out and who personified this and who, and who exemplified this is Paul the Apostle in Philippians 1.20. He's talking about his life. He wrote the book of Philippians towards the end of his life. And remember, Paul the Apostle was one of the most productive uh, Christians who ever lived. He wrote a third of the New Testament and uh, planted churches all over the Roman Empire. But he gets to the end of his life. He's not sure what's going to happen. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but that I will have sufficient courage so that now and always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death. 
he's saying, I'm not sure what's going to happen to me. And of course, he's anticipating trials and prisons and all these people who are, who are coming after him. And he says, you know, what really matters in my life, what really matters is, is not that I get my way, but that regardless of how my situation resolves, whether I end up living out my years in prison and get executed, or whether I, whether I go off to a, to a comfortable retirement on a cushy Mediterranean resort, what matters is that Christ is exalted in my body by life or by death. But see, it's that prayer that, that God be glorified in your life regardless of how your life unfolds. And he recognizes that it doesn't really matter what happens to him. What matters is that God, that, that he be yielded to God so that God can be glorified in his life through the things that happen. You know, we all have preferred futures that we want to live out. You know, you, I think all of you have plans for your life, you know, and, and what you want your family to look like, what you want your career to look like, what you want your, your, what you, what your picture of your ideal life in the future will be. And, and, let me tell you, my, my experience is you can draw those pictures all you want, but God's making his own picture. You know, we can, we can write our own predictions, but God's going to write your story. And, but the thing that we can stand on, the thing that we can hope, and what it means to be a child of God is, is not that necessarily your story is going to work out the way, the way you drew it up. I know mine certainly hasn't, but what he promises us is that by life or by death, regardless of how our life unfolds it can be to the glory of God and that's the promise for Christians but the ultimate example of this is not Paul the Apostle as impressive as he was but of course it's our Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 12 Jesus is anticipating and dreading his passion his suffering his arrest and everything that's going to happen he knows what the next step of his life is going to be, and he is terrified of it. In his human nature, he's terrified of it. And John chapter 12, verse 27, he says, Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? Speaking of his suffering, speaking of his arrest, speaking of his crucifixion. And he says, No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Because he recognized that his mission to glorify God was through him enduring that terrifying, terrible hour of suffering and of loss on, on the cross. I mean, remember how it worked out. Jesus prayed, Father, glorify your name. And what did God do for him? Well, he got arrested. He got falsely uh, convicted. He got humiliated. He got tortured. He got mocked. And then ultimately he was executed. You know, he knew what was coming. And, and you know, you think, if I knew that was coming, I would say, uh, God, Father, can we, can we change these plans? Is there some other, some other way out? Father, uh, you know what? What shall I pray? Save me from the hour, this hour? Yes, please, save me from this hour. But uh, he didn't pray that. He said, Father, in the midst of this, God, glorify your name. But the... The dynamic is God indeed did answer that prayer because he used the injustice that Jesus suffered to find a way to justify you and me. He used the humiliation Jesus suffered so that he would ultimately be exalted. He used the death that Jesus suffered to conquer death 
for all those who trust in him. Jesus gave himself so that he would hallow God's name. And so when we look to him, we look to Jesus, and we trust in him, and we believe in him, and we accept his grace, through that, God's name is hallowed. You know, the, the most amazing thing that God does to glorify his name is to forgive our sin because it is great. The ultimately, the most powerful way you hallow God's name is to trust his grace 100%. Trust that Jesus' suffering, Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus' Jesus intercession and Jesus' resurrection is all that you need. Entrust yourself to him, and he will answer this prayer. So let's pray. Father, I ask that uh, you would help us to take every area of our life, everything in our life that's, that's so problematic that it moves us to pray and to surrender those areas to you as areas where we can trust in your glory, trust in your grace, that your name might be hallowed. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.